the destruction of Jerusalem. I have seriously underprepared tonight in order to finish on time. So don't worry about the time because I believe we can pull it off tonight. The destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD by the Romans. Most Christians know nothing about it. And they have no idea how many verses deal with it in both testaments and how much it is for Christ's glory. In our church, it is called a sermon series done in 2005, now 15 years ago, entitled The Witness of 70 AD because it witnesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Now there's a picture of it. That's the most popular painting by David Roberts, about 1830, if I remember correctly, of the destruction of Jerusalem. Of course, there weren't any cell phones or photographs of it taking place. There's another picture that is rather popular about it. I hope in these pictures you can see the menorah, the seven-branched candelabra of Jewish Old Testament worship. And there is a, an effeminate Titus, you know, the, the limp hand. It's because that's what artists are. And so you get the limp hand. Now, can you find the uh, menorah? Is it here? Okay, so it's, re it's reminding you and telling you by that what this is about. And that menorah becomes very important to remember because it's a symbol of Jewish worship that is easily recognized. Here's another one. Look at the limp hand. The poor guy couldn't fight his weight of a wet paper bag if you punched a hole in it first. And there's the menorah again. Sorry that I have to say that. You know, if I use art, that's what we're, we're going to run into because that's what you get. But uh, there's other pictures of the destruction of Jerusalem. So the destruction of Jerusalem tonight for a few minutes. Why this study tonight? Because, because we encountered it on Sunday when we were going through Matthew chapter 22. Right. And it looked like this. God judged the Jews for rejecting the gospel. Right. When the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and that is God, and he sent forth his armies, those of the Romans, and destroyed those murderers, those of the Jews, and burned up their city. Right. So it looks like that. He burned up their city. And we ran into it on Sunday. And Matthew chapter 22 follows Matthew chapter 21, which referred to it as well. Why this study tonight for a few minutes? Because it is a distinguishing doctrine of our church. First of all, in fact, we believe that the event of 70 AD and the destruction of Jerusalem is an important Bible fact that fulfills a number of prophecies there. And for reason number two, the extent of that prophecy throughout the Bible because it's one of the most important events of the Bible, right. while also rejecting full preterism. Amen. Now, for you to land on that little postage stamp spot that I just described, most of you do not understand, and so you cannot appreciate nor thank God the way that we should. But we are bound to give thanks all way to God for the truth that He has shown us and saving us from strong delusion. Amen. We are not preterists, and we are not futurists. We're right in the middle as historicists, and not just in fact that we know something happened in 70 AD, but we see its extensive influence all the way from Hebrews at one end of the Bible 
And that's not the last one. And all the way to the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus in the Old Testament. Right. It's huge. It's God's mercy and God's grace to us. Amen. Why this study tonight? Because we have newer members and we have growing children that need to know the great importance of this event of 70 AD. Amen. Please listen. In just a few minutes, I'm going to give you material that is worth so much and that we paid a price for and that we studied for, and the Lord's just dumped it in your laps, and I want you to thank the Lord for it. Why this study tonight? Because the Father loveth the Son, and they murdered the Son, and so He burned up their city. And the Son is Lord of all. Do you know that about the Lord Jesus Christ? He is Lord of all, and He proved it in 70 A.D., like in no other event that's been seen yet. Why this study tonight? Because fulfilled prophecy is one of the great proofs of divine inspiration of the Bible Amen. and one of the great means of the glory and praise of God. Right. What, what are the 40 chapters of Isaiah for? Are they God boasting about fulfilled prophecy? This is one of the greatest fulfilled prophecies in the Bible. Why this study tonight? It is not for intellectual or historical curiosity. It is for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know our Savior. I want you to love our Savior. I want you to praise our Savior. I want you to trust our Savior. Amen. And for the right knowledge of the Bible, so that we rightly divide the Bible and rightly interpret Bible prophecy. This is the Arch of Titus. It was erected in the city of Rome in 81 AD, and it is still there. It was erected by Titus' younger brother, Domitian as an emperor, and it still stands as a memorial to the fulfillment of the Bible prophecies of the prince of the people that would come and lay waste to the city of Jerusalem for crucifying the Lord of glory. I want you to love our Savior, and he's coming back. When you look at the bad news, don't worry about it. Our Lord is coming, and he's the leader and commander of our kingdom, and he will take care of all of it. He's done it before in the greatest tribulation the world has ever seen. Over the last two weeks, three 75-year anniversaries have been observed. The dropping of the first atomic bomb on Hiroshima, Japan. The dropping of the second atomic bomb on Nagasaki, Japan. The signing, the capitulation by the emperor of Japan and telling his people they had to surrender. And then the signing of the document in the deck of the Missouri in Tokyo Harbor. Those three events in which we brought a nation into submission. But the Lord Jesus Christ brought the Jewish nation into submission for crucifying His Son. Amen. God brought the nation into submission. And there's this arch erected by the Senate of the people of the Roman Empire. If you were to look at the relief inside this arch, it looks like this. Are you able to tell who the captives are? There's the Jewish menorah. Now it's been worn away, so there are legs missing and arms missing. But this is it uh, fleshed out. And there's the menorah again. It's in Rome to this day. And if you go to Rome, make sure you check it out. This is also a relief in that arch. These horses have been worn away. Listen, 81, it's not to, to the year 2020. That's a long time. Here it is fleshed out. That's Titus with a guardian angel to wreak vengeance on the Jews, the people of the prince that shall come. 
There's the arch again. Let's zoom in on what the Senate wanted to say. And there's, there it is. And here are the words. The Senate and the Roman people devote this to the deified Titus Vespasian Augustus, son of the deified Vespasian. Vespasian was the general of the legions when he first entered Judea in 66 AD, but then he was moved to emperor when Nero died, and Titus, his son, became the head of the legions. And then Titus became the emperor, and to Roman thinking, deified. The study tonight ignores the three main chapters about the destruction of Jerusalem. They are Matthew 24. You should know these numbers. Mark 13, Luke 21. Those three chapters are about the destruction of Jerusalem. They are the three main chapters. They are the chapters that talk about the abomination of desolation. Matthew calls it the abomination of desolation. Mark calls it the abomination of desolation. Luke says, when you see armies encompass Jerusalem... So we know what the abomination of desolation is. Amen. It's abominable pagan armies coming in and laying Jerusalem desolate. Very simple. Comparing Matthew, Mark, Luke. The temple to be destroyed, no stones attached to each other by Jesus to the apostles. The greatest tribulation in the history of the world. All of it to come on that generation. Those things are in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. And for tonight I've handcuffed myself. We will not refer to those three chapters. This study is important because most Christians know nothing of 70 A.D. Right. Yet there are three chapters that are mostly about 70 A.D. And there's more verses in both Testaments. It vindicates and glorifies our Lord. Amen. And it stops many prophetic errors right. once we understand this simple event of history that the Bible told about many times. Right. This study tonight is very limited, and I will finish on time. But this study is not limited or not very limited, and that is the witness of 70 A.D. on our website. Its subtitle or description is, There is no single greater evidence or proof of the divine origin of Christianity, the great glory and power of the Lord Jesus Christ as King of the kingdom of God, and the accuracy and reliability of the Bible than the prophecies and their fulfillments regarding the destruction of Jerusalem of the Roman armies under Titus in 70 A.D. We have been blessed. Amen. My poor father here, whom I love dearly, he loves the five phases, and I know that he enjoyed Tony the Evangelist. I hope you heard his amen. He got a Master of Divinity from a dispensational seminary. He never heard anything about 70 A.D. in seven years of Bible college and seminary because they're ignorant of this simple truth that is being fed to you again tonight. A very simple timeline. In 26 AD, John the Baptist baptized Jesus to start the 70th week of Daniel chapter 9. In 30 AD, in the middle of the 70th week, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. In 66 AD, Cestius Gallus brought the 12th legion from Antioch of Syria, and then left with no explanation, and had his legion hurt badly on his retreat out of Judea for a couple of reasons. For one main reason that I wanted, I'll just say right now, it angered Rome that they were going to destroy the Jews. Right. 
But this gave the Christians in Jerusalem the warning sign that Jesus had taught them. When ye see the armies encompass Jerusalem, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh and move to the mountains where you can be safe. Now, how do you get out of a city if it's already besieged? You need a Cestius Gallus to siege it and then lift his siege and leave. Oh, it's just beautiful. Vespasian and his legions began to systematically destroy Judea in 67. I already told you that. Because Nero was emperor, Vespasian was general. In 69 AD, Christians in Jerusalem are moving to the mountains of Pella across the Jordan River, just as Jesus taught them to do. In 70, because Vespasian is now emperor, Titus, with four legions, takes the city in five months. Do you get hungry in five hours? Would you be hungry in five days? What would happen in five months? They had enough food inside the city of Jerusalem to last years. They knew this was coming. But the zealots, there's so many stories about the destruction of Jerusalem, but the zealots, in their desire to turn the people to obey them, burned up all the food so that they starved because it was a demon, devil-possessed generation, just like Jesus said it would be. In 70 AD, there was the worst suffering ever. Women ate children. 1.1 million died. There were 97,000 captives. Many were sold into Egypt. The city was dug up, and then it was plowed. Short timeline. The Bible is full of 70 AD. This is the one time I'm going to dip into Luke 21, but you know, it's none of the featured verses there. It's this verse. For these be the days of vengeance. This is Jesus speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem. These be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Do you think it might be in the Bible somewhere? When Jesus said, all things which are written may be fulfilled. Here we go, Matthew 22, 7. I'm back to the text that got us on this track on Sunday. Matthew 22, 7, when the king heard thereof, God judged the Jews for rejecting Jesus. He was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. You all wish that something like that would happen in Portland, Chicago, New York, and other places. It does, it does happen in the world. Right. It's when our leader and our commander gives an order, and all he has to do is give an order. He's got 10,000 times 10,000 angels at his disposal, and their hands are on their swords. The, the Pharisees knew what God would do to them. This is Matthew 21, the previous chapter. I'm not in Matthew 24. I told you I wouldn't dip there. They say unto him, the Pharisees understood. The Pharisees say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard, that's the church and kingdom of Jesus Christ, to other husbandmen, that's us Gentiles, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons, which we love to do. And so we sang tonight, hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah, amen. And over and over we sang it. Because we're going to give the Lord Jesus Christ and His Father in heaven fruits in their seasons. Amen. Let's jump back to Deuteronomy chapter 18 where God promised to raise up a prophet like unto Moses. And that prophet is one of the first prophecies of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to go to Acts 3 to tell you that it's in both Testaments. But it originated in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet. This is the Lord Jesus Shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren? He came out of the tribe of Judah, like unto me. He was like Moses. 
Him shall ye hear in all things, whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. There was a great division made in 70 A.D. The believers in Jesus Christ were rescued and saved by leaving the city and going across the river Jordan to Pella, and the rest that were saved were taken by the Romans. And so two shall be in the field. One shall be taken by the Romans and the other left. Two women, one shall be taken by the Romans and the other left. Jumping to Deuteronomy chapter 28, I'm skipping over Leviticus chapter 26. Moses foretold Jews eating their children, and thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege, and in the straightness, wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. And if you say to me, could that have happened with Nebuchadnezzar in Jerusalem, I would say, of course it could have happened. But what is the great tribulation in the history of the Bible? It isn't Nebuchadnezzar. It's Titus and the Romans in 70 A.D. It's Jesus saying that it was 70 A.D. that fulfilled all that was written, not Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, it, could, it was fulfilled in other times. There was once a siege of Samaria where they were eating their children. Moses foretold Jews being scattered everywhere. The Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other. Do the Jews live throughout the whole earth since the Roman Empire? far greater than any dispersion by Nebuchadnezzar or Sennacherib or any of the other Assyrians. And there thou shalt serve other gods and so forth. Deuteronomy 28, now verse 68. Moses foretold Jews being sold as slaves into Egypt. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. By the way whereof I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. And there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. Why would no one buy them? Because 97,000 of supply hit the market where there wasn't that much demand. Deuteronomy 28, 68, Moses foretold this. These are the days of vengeance. This is what happens to the church of God when they don't obey. I don't know how to ever be more serious with, with you, church, or with me. This is, this, these are not Hittites. Right. The Lord had his own way of taking care of Hittites. This is the church of God. Let's jump to David. You say, was that all that Moses had to say? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. It's a 68-verse chapter. Deuteronomy 29. Try those three chapters on and see if you can find anything else that might pertain to 70 A.D. And remember that ultimately it's all going to point to 70 A.D. because that was the greatest tribulation. Right. There wasn't going to be things left out in 70 A.D. David foretold wrath. Psalm 2. Now I have two verses. I have verse 7 so that you can get the timing. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. When did that take place? The resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. When Je- so we, go, we know the timing. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. It's not Sennacherib. And what, what's the word? In verse 12, when Jesus is on his throne, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Was his wrath kindled in 70 A.D.? It was indeed. Psalm 45. 
Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that Psalm 45 is about the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that verses eight and, or verses 6 and 7 are quoted in Hebrews chapter 1 as pertaining to Jesus? In thy majesty, ride prosperously. It's about Jesus. It's not about uh, Hezekiah or Cyrus. It's about Jesus in Psalm 45 because of truth and meekness and righteousness. No one ever had those things like the Lord Jesus. And thy right hand, that right hand is for fighting, shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. That's the prophet that God raised up like unto Moses, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Love that psalm about him. He's a conquering prince, and he's glorious. And you don't have to be afraid of anything. He's on our side. And he has an army behind him that stretches farther than your eye can ever see. And that's the angelic host. In Psalm 110, David foretold victory after Jesus' resurrection. The Lord, that is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, God Jehovah, said unto my Lord, that's David's son and David's king, the Lord Jesus Christ, sit thou at my right hand. When did that take place? After the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As soon as he was on that throne, he had something to do. God was going to make his enemies his footstool. Those men that crucified the Lord Jesus Christ and drove those nails into him by Roman hammers were destroyed. Throughout the Bible, Isaiah, Isaiah 61 and verse 2, Jesus read this in the synagogue at Nazareth to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's where Jesus sat down in Nazareth. Are you all with me? I didn't give you verse 1. I'm trying to save time tonight. Remember, I underprepared. In Isaiah 61, Jesus read Isaiah 61 in the synagogue at Nazareth, his hometown. He read verse 1, and he read verse 2 to right there. Did he have anything else to say about the next clause at other times in his ministry? Oh, yes, he did. And the day of vengeance of our God. I'm going to come and preach, and I'm going to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And those that do not want to acknowledge me, I will destroy from among the people. And he did. And it was the day of vengeance. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love everything about him. I love that he stands and knocks at the door of churches and seeks entrance for intimate fellowship with them to eat and drink and sup with us. And I love this about him as well. I love it all. He's perfect in every way. He is altogether lovely. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. And 10,000 is an understatement. Isaiah, in Isaiah 66, for those of you that can remember, a voice of noise. Whose voice is it? It's the Lord Jehovah. A voice of noise from the city, a voice of noise from the temple. So what city is it? It's the city of Jerusalem that rendereth recompense to his enemies. Till Till Almighty God makes thine enemies thy footstool, sit thou at my right hand. And I will go get your murderers. The Father loveth the Son. And I love the Son. And I love that the Father loves the Son. And I love that the Son loves the Father. And I want this church to love the Father and the Son. Amen. Daniel 9. Daniel foretold desolating war by a prince. The people of the prince, the Romans, would come under Titus, who was a prince, that shall come, shall destroy the city. And the sanctuary, could it be any plainer? The end thereof shall be with the flood. The war would overwhelm them. And the end of the war, desolations are determined upon that city. God was going to desolate that place. And for the overspreading of abominations, 
That's of the Jews. He shall make it desolate. God made Jerusalem desolate. The last time Jesus walked out of the temple in Jerusalem, he said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. At the beginning of his ministry, he said, You have made my father's house, which was a place of prayer. But now it's their house, and it's desolate. Even until the consummation when it's consumed, and that determined by Almighty God shall be poured upon the desolate. That's the judgment that can be traced all the way through the Bible, culminating in 70 AD by an event that took place outside of Scripture in its fulfillment, because Scripture was complete before then, at least through the book of Jude. Daniel chapter 12. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. So we're talking about the Jews. And Michael, there shall be a time of trouble. Notice, there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book, every one of God's elect, because God would shorten the days so that the elect would be saved, every one that's written in his book. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, and they were scattered by the Romans, destroying them as a nation, all these things shall be fulfilled. You do not have to wonder when it was fulfilled. It was fulfilled when the Jews were scattered by the Romans. That's Daniel 12. Daniel 12. From the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, because there's no more lambs, and the abomination that maketh desolation set up, that's the Roman armies, there shall be 1,290 literal days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,335 days, because it was 45 days later that the city was taken and, and broke down, and the war was over. Right. Joel foretold it in Joel 2. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. He's describing a great and terrible day of the Lord come, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Whoever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ was saved because they left the city of Jerusalem when Jesus told them to, so they weren't taken in the cap- so they weren't taken by the Romans. Right. How do we know that this absolutely, without a doubt, applies to Rome? Because Peter quoted it in Acts chapter 2 and said it did. Micah, therefore Zion, for your sake, shall be plowed as a field. In Micah. What was his name that did the plowing? The Jews know his name. The Jews know what legion he was in charge of. Terentius Rufus, the 10th legion, left there by Titus as he withdrew the other three legions. Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Who's the messenger? John the Baptist. Who's me? The Lord Jesus Christ shall suddenly come to his temple. Suddenly. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And that day that shall come shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Remember it. And you'll tread down the wicked, there'll be ashes under the soles of your feet. When the Christians came back into the vicinity of Jerusalem, All their enemies were ashes under their feet. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah. Who is it? John the Baptist. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What day is that? 
the destruction of Jerusalem. John the Baptist came to warn them. The Bible is full of 70 AD. We've seen some in the old. Let's look in the new. It looked like this, sort of. It looked like this and this. The Bible's full of 70 AD. Malachi closed out the Old Testament with Elijah, which is John the Baptist, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come. Matthew 3, 7. So we open up and we get the first preached words in the New Testament. What are the first preached words? O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? What wrath was coming? The destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. It's a generation. The generation that killed the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is what John the Baptist preached. The axe is laid. Did I tell you to think about the word root? From over there in Malachi chapter 4 of the trees, the axe is laid to it. It's already being cut down. I baptize you with water, John said, but he that cometh after me, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost in the day of Pentecost and with fire in 70 A.D., whose fan is in his hand, not later, then. And he will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he'll burn up the chaff and the with unquenchable fire. Luke 12, Jesus admitted he came to burn up the Jews. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? Fire on the earth, not fire in the lake of fire. Fire on the earth, and it's already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. I have to go die on the cross and get that out of the way. And after I get that out of the way and ascend up into heaven and sit down at the right hand of God, I will send fire on the earth. For the days shall come upon thee, as he said to Jerusalem, thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee round and keep thee in on every side. That's a siege. And lay thee even with the ground, level the city and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. When God sent his son to the Jews, they should have given him some honor. They should have fallen at his feet. They should have repented. They should have proclaimed that he was the son of God. They should have all shouted Hosanna. But brethren, what are we going to do with this son of God? Do you make light of his worship? Do you neglect his worship? Do you neglect his commands? This is the greatest king, leader, and commander we've ever had to deal with. You've never imagined anyone like him. Jesus foretold his power within that generation. I'm going to skip it. Jesus assigned all blood guilt to that generation, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. Jesus said that generation was going to be guilty of all. He's, he's charging that generation that killed him. We saw it in Matthew 22 and Matthew 21. I like this about the parable of the pounds. You don't get it in Matthew, so we get it in Luke. This is at the end of the parable of the talents, but in Luke it's called pounds, like the British pound. It's a monetary amount, unit. Those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. That is the way my Savior talks. Those men that didn't want me to rule over them, though I'm the son of David two different ways, though I'm the prophesied Messiah of their nation, bring them before me and slay them in my sight. I never knew you, he will say in the great day of judgment. Kiss the sun. Is everyone kissing the sun right now? How do you kiss him? By loving him and believing on him. 
and repenting of your sins and telling him you'll serve him better tomorrow. Jesus told enemies they would see his vengeance. This is Caiaphas on his trial. The high priest answered and said, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ. Jesus saith unto him, you bet I am. Thou hast said it, and that's true. Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter shall ye, that's the group of men standing there with him, see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Right. Those are the clouds of heaven like Psalm 18. Those are the clouds of judgment of Jesus coming, fit, not physically, metaphorically, with the Roman armies because he's going to stir up the people of the prince, and they're going to come. The Jews said, His blood be on us and on our children. Was it? Yes, it was. Jesus warned women at Calvary of the vengeance. Jesus, he couldn't carry his cross anymore. His body's breaking down. He's exhausted. He's been tortured. He's taking our sins to Calvary. He turns to women that were wailing because of him and says, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. If it involves them and their children, how long of a time period does that require? Forty years. Right. One generation. The days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, Cover us. For if these happen in a great time like now, what are these Jews going to do when it's bad time? Peter preached. He took Joel in Acts chapter 2. Before that great notable day of the Lord come, and whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, because everyone that believed in the Lord Jesus Christ was not burned up in the city, because they left it. Acts 2.40. You know, everybody wants to quote Acts 2.38, but repent and be baptized. But look at Acts 2.40. And with many other words, did Peter testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves. There's a real salvation then of getting out of the city of Jerusalem and not being destroyed from this untoward generation, a devil-possessed, obnoxious, forward, rebellious, Christ-crucifying generation. Stephen died for teaching Jesus in 70 AD. Stephen taught that Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place. And notice, they accused him of blasphemy and so forth, but Jesus had said he would destroy that place. Oh, but the Lord came to his rescue in the way that Jesus told Caiaphas he wouldn't come to his rescue from God's right hand. Paul wrote of it, 1 Thessalonians 2. The Jews killed the Lord Jesus Christ and their own prophets have persecuted us. They pleased not God or contrary to all men. Do you know what that is? An untoward generation right here. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins all way, for the wrath of God is come upon them to the uttermost. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The wrath has come to them to the uttermost. A tribulation the world had never seen. Paul warned of vengeance in Hebrews 10.25. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment... Suppose ye, let's just think rationally and reasonably, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, hath counted the blood of the covenant an unholy thing, and has done despite to the Spirit of grace. And that's what the adversaries of Jesus had done. Vengeance. These be the days of vengeance. All there together in Hebrews 10. Why this study tonight? 
because these things were once believed by most or all Christians, but they are known and believed by only a few today. Right. Why this study? Because contrary to casual worship and carnal Christianity, Jesus Christ is Lord and deserves and expects your life. He deserves your life. Everything about it. Amen. He expects your life. Everything about it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. You are third and last. You shouldn't appear in the equation. This is why the study tonight. Why this study tonight? Will you kiss the sun before he comes with his mighty angels in flaming fire, not on Jerusalem, but to wreak eternal vengeance on this ungodly world? Second right. Thessalonians 1, you who are troubled, rest with us. The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun with me. Believe on him. Love him. Tell him. Praise him. Live for him. Stand with me, please.